What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pujitsky Podcast. Today, I sit down with my man, Andrew Packer. You might have seen him online as the lead anchor at Man News or somewhere on stage because he tours all over North America and Europe. This guy grinds, and if you haven't heard of him yet, you will soon because he's going to be a household name. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Rate it, whatever. Five stars, one star. Just rate it. it. takes five seconds, and it helps me out a bunch. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. What's up, Andrew Packer? Welcome to to the the Pujitsky podcast. Pujitsky. Pujitsky. Say that again. Pujitsky. Yeah, that's good. You got the Z. Nice. The ZH. Usually people fuck that up. Nice. It must be in my uh somewhere deep in my roots. What's your background? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Just ambiguously Caucasian? Yes. Not black. Oh, thank you for the candy. Thanks. J- Jamie Vernon actually in the <laughs> background there. Pull it up, Jamie. Hey. Yeah. Would you get some late night caffeine? What'd you get? Yeah, double spro with a splash of oat milk. That's my. Oh, go-to that's exactly what I get, but on ice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's good cold. on ice too. It's the cheapest thing at Starbucks. It's like three twenty something. I think drip is the cheapest thing at Starbucks. Just a drip coffee. Yeah. Is it cheaper than three dollars? I'm challenging you on this predicament. Yeah, that you're. I'm pretty sure it's cheaper. I mean, I'd pull it up on a the double spro is always a premium item. As opposed to like drip coffee. Drip coffee is the lowest. I love it, but it's the lowest level of I coffee. prefer the espresso. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm late night espresso, morning drip. Yeah. That's why I'm addicted. So you're like a big coffee guy. How many uh, coffees a day? Two. Two? Yeah, I limit at two. I can't. If I do more than two, it's not good for my psyche. Yeah. I yeah. don't have a limit. I probably should. I kind of just play it by ear. Nice. And if I'm, uh, you know, jumping off the walls, I cut it down. But recently I've been trying not to have coffee past like 3, 4 p.m. So that's a bold move. Oh, yeah. No, I'll do I'll do it all the way. Yeah. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Yes, and you, you don't mind sleeping? Doesn't seem to be an issue. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. Cool. I guess uh, you're built different. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pretty tough guy. I've been having coffee late. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Watch whatever. It. Send me over to Ukraine. I'll take care of business right now. Pretty tough guy. <laughs> uh, no, but I feel like I have been needing to uh, have a coffee later because of stand-up because you, you want to stay awake. Mm. And uh, especially if it's like a few nights in a row. Man, I've been... Like the past three weeks, I was in like three different time zones, like back to back to back. And that's where I really needed the coffee. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I guess. But when we're in Toronto, you know, got to wake up and uh, do you, so do you do stand up full time, I guess? Yeah. So stand you don't up have to. Content. Yeah. You know, I'm a lead anchor too. So. Oh, yes. Lead yeah, anchor yeah, for yeah. Man News. I'm it's very sure. important. Yeah. Yeah. What did, uh, what did you do before you decided to pursue comedy full time? I was in sales. Sales. Mm. So we talked about it a little bit. You had like a corporate job. Yeah, it, all, but it was work from home. So that was close. Oh my God, that's I never, perfect. I never worked in an office and I'm very grateful for that. So you had the flexibility to kind of still pursue stand up and, you know, maybe some of the late nights didn't affect you as much if you had to like go in. Yeah, because I office. already started doing stand up be- like before I got that corporate job. So mm-hmm. it, uh, I was very much looking for something that would allow me to save money and continue doing comedy. Yeah, so. that makes sense. And what what do you think uh, made you pursue comedy full time as opposed to stay with the corporate job? 
Oh, it was never. When I had the corporate job, it was always just stuff as much money in a bag until this ends. Yeah. That was always the mentality. I feel it you. It was never going to be. I wasn't at no point during that corporate job was I like, this is my career. No. Yeah. 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 I feel you. I, uh, I have a master's degree in synthetic organic chemistry. So, flex. Yeah, no flex. <laughs> See, uh, what is synthetic organic chemistry? I it sounds like it's contradicting itself. Yeah. Synthetic organic. So there's inorganic and organic, but synthetic just means that my specific uh, area of expertise is making the drugs. I'm literally Walter White level. Okay. Yeah. But I, actually, Walter White was a fucking high school teacher. So yeah. maybe... Uh, You're uh, even above him. Yeah. Well, I'm Walter above, White. I'm above the one who knocks, bitch. Yeah. I am the one who knocks. Um, no, but basically it's when you literally make the drugs, like synthesis, right? So my job was mm. to take like organic molecules um, that would be useful for whatever reason and my group focused on medicinal chemistry and uh, make them. And at this point, uh, science is advanced enough that most molecules have been made and there is no secret, like oh, everything's like patented. And if you want to make something, you can make it. But as like a synthetic chemist, you can also call them like process chemists. Mm. My job was basically to find more um, efficient ways to make these things. So if you take something like, like a very common drug everybody will know. I don't know, like ibuprofen, right? Like Advil. Mm -hmm. Like that's like multi-billion, probably even trillion dollar business, like the, making the drug. And you make it on such a big scale that like you can make it in a lab, but on the like macro ton scale that it's made on, you have to take into consideration facts like heating and like how much water you use, right? So my thing was kind of making that as efficient as possible. So literally like taking a reaction that you would have to do, have to do at five degrees mm -hmm. or sorry, like, I don't know, something above room temperature, like 20 degrees and lowering that to room temperature, 15 degrees, whatever. That's huge. If you amplify that to like industrial quantities, but, uh, Jeez, how long did you do this for? <sighs> like, uh, total from like undergrad is four years. And then my master's with was two and change, so like some like seven years. And that was all in school? Because sounds like, so you were learning how to do it or were you like working in the field for a bit? Uh, so undergrad is just like- Undergrad, yeah. Undergrad. And then I did a research master's. So I was actually doing like, I had a research project. Mm -hmm. So I was in the lab every day working and uh, I was actually working, the project was sponsored by a company called Roche, which is a big pharmaceutical company in like Switzerland. Okay. So it was, it wasn't really in the field, but I was in a lab working and kind of learning, you know, on the job kind of, so to speak, because we were kind of tied to industry, but also it was, they know that we're just grad students. So they wouldn't, you know, give us so many responsibilities. And I would also be TAing, which is like just teaching undergrads and stuff. So it was kind of like, it, it was still a master's, but it's like a research-based master's. Right. Yeah. A lot of practical Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was as much as I, I worked in like, uh, not sales, but like, I don't know, like quality control one summer for like an engineering company, which is like a desk job. And I immediately knew it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, thank God there are people that can. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Somebody has to do it. But, you know, I feel you. I feel you. But it's good that you got to work from home. Uh, and like the content, I also do some content. So. I guess, do you like, you know, 
do you feel like uh do you ever feel like you have like a cognitive you know dissonance between your content creation and your stand-up you know what i'm talking about like no i don't okay so <laughs> personally personally yeah <laughs> personally i feel like when i get recognized on the street right somebody's oh like you're got you're that dude from tiktok or whatever right and i'm like yeah sure but like in my in my heart of hearts i'm like i want i want them to say you're that comedian you know what i mean mm. so like do you even though and we'll get into this a little later i feel like both are very they feed into each other very well do you ever feel like your like the effort you have to put into content overshadows what you want to be doing with stand up or maybe the recognition you get from one or the other you know what i mean I, I I can relate definitely to that feeling. The way that I kind of have tackled that is that that whole thing of because I don't have a conventional job right now. Mm -hmm. The like I've been just kind of doing comedy related stuff the past five years, and if I'm feeling like that about my content, then I think, well, thank God that what I'm doing is at least in the comedy realm during the day because for so many years I was working full time all day doing something that could just like pay my bills and feed myself, you know, and then that had no relation to comedy other right. than just lived experience, which, you know, is useful. So there is yeah. that if you're doing that right now, like you're living something that's relatable to so many people. So you can eventually have that seep into your comedy or maybe it will or not. But um, the fact that I'm like, I wake up, I write jokes, I write a sketch and then I'll shoot sketch. And then I usually crash around like between four and six, I'm like dead. So I'll like either yeah. go work out or pass out and then research for the evening and be writing stand up and doing stand up and writing before I go on stage cause I'm stressed and yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole thing, you know? So it all is just kind of life as a comedian in this day and age. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I can relate to that for sure because I, I have the same kind of uh, same kind of uh, routine, right? Sketch, nap for sure. I relate to you on that. Mm -hmm. Big napper with the coffee. I, I usually have my a coffee before my nap, which is interesting. That's kind of a weird place. You're calling it, me it, crazy. Yeah. You're insane. No, but it works. There's that, ca what, what, that how caffeine that work? crash. How does that work? Caffeine is not Wait, you have the coffee and then you go directly into the nap. Yeah, and then you the that caffeine spike, because again, like you have to think you're drinking the coffee, it goes into your stomach. It's not going into your blood right away. There's a little delay. How long are your naps? But I don't know, like when I'm having a spro, yeah. this one, spro. I feel it immediately. Immediately I'm like, we're buzzing here. Yeah, yeah, that so could I don't be. Know, I don't know, understand the delay But part. that's kind of like, that's the peak. And then like, as it kind of gets out of your blood, you know what I mean? Like you immediately, it's, I don't think it's immediate. I don't know what the fucking, I am a You're a scientist, chemist, but you didn't but study this. Okay. No, I didn't study the, the caffeine release in blood, but uh, yeah. the half-life you would call it actually. Okay. But where we, oh yeah, we were talking about the content creator lifestyle. <laughs> I also hate that fucking name, content creator. It is a little pompous. Yeah. The only other thing wait, is wait, called a influencer. creator. Influencers, influencers for sure yeah it's, it's like calling someone a vegan like yeah. no one wants to identify that they're like i just don't eat meat like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh but yeah no i mean it is a little pompous the only other creator that there is is like when people are talking about religion so oh, it's yeah, kind true. of like it's a big name <laughs> yeah that is that is a big name content yeah. creator or just creator uh but influencer is still worse it's between influencer and creator i don't think i influence people too much you might have influenced me to start drinking more coffee but uh i don't know 
So I guess you are an influencer by nature. We all are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like to influence people on stage. Sometimes I do it in my daily life. But uh, so do you ever like, do you ever miss the safety net of having a job or you don't care? You're just, you feel like... I, I, like sometimes I think about it, but then you have to, uh, you can't just pick little pieces of things that you want you know you have to take it all you don't so if yeah i mean then i imagine doing whatever that thing is and i'm i can't do anything but what i'm doing right now and so i just and i'm in so deep yeah (laughs) i just need to keep going i kind of i feel you i'm i'm way kind of less uh down the road than you are at your point in the career but i also feel like because i just i just graduated like last august and i made the decision not to get that full-time job and just to fucking jump into this and mm. so far it's been going great and i feel You've like you've had if, quite the year dude yeah not <laughs> a bad like, year <laughs> oh, i think of oh, p- comics in their first year of comedy you've achieved and experienced like so much more than most comics in the first five years yeah so, so here's awesome. the thing kudos to you dude this here's is great. the thing little known fact i tell i guess like it's a weird question when people ask me how long have i been doing comedy because i've technically been doing it for five years my first my first open mic was right before the pandemic like i did two open mics at just a bar that was just like a general open mic Mm -hmm. right um i was like one of the i think they were like the first time there were like two comedians and then just people like playing guitar and singing okay um and then everything shut down for three years and i kind of had a bunch of material because initially to to do this open mic, I'd, I'd been like a fan of comedy for a while. I have, I found, I was cleaning out my office at my parents' house and I found a picture that I drew of myself when I was in like grade whatever in art class, like bombing on stage. It was like a comic book strip. Oh, cool. I was literally, first strip is me going like a guy walks into a, a bar and then the second one is ouch and like crickets in the crowd and me with a mic. So it's been in my head for a while and I finally decided to do it when I was like, what? I don't know, whatever, 2019, before the pandemic. And then Mm. that shit happened. And I kind of use that material as much as you can for like content. I'm like, fuck it. I have a a phone. I'll just put this shit on TikTok, just like talking to my camera, write some sketches. Mm -hmm. And that kind of started going well. And then when the pandemic ended, I kind of just hopped right in with like a small following and already kind of like some momentum. Sick. Yeah. Perfect. But then like, I can't say, cause I literally like before the pandemic, before everything shut down and we're in Toronto, maybe if it's, if you're in Texas or whatever, it's different, but I can't count those three years as like. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It. I mean, yeah. everyone like comics always ask you just to size you up or whatever, yeah, yeah. but it's irrelevant to anybody. Like literally, as long as if the crowd's laughing, then it's, yeah. you know, that's all that really matters, but it's hard to keep, you know, it's easier to say that than, you know to do it it's, it's still people sizing you up and you want to you know, yeah man and I, I hate that because like uh I, I get that a lot in toronto like <laughs> of like just because of like some of the things i've done and 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 not a long period of time or like some of the opportunities i've had and then now i just want to get some stage time on a random night where i don't have any mm-hmm. and like uh i can't or producers telling me like just kind of being like oh how long have you been doing comedy i'm like this long and they're kind of treat you different you know what i mean mm-hmm. i've had it to the point where i was at a club and uh i did a a showcase at one of these places where you have to like sign up to do the open mic and i did very well to the point where the guy that does the sign up is like how long have you been doing this for that was really good and i said at the time it was like i said like whatever like a year 
And then as soon as I said that, his kind of expression changed and from being like complimentary to being like, oh, like you should keep doing this, do this. I didn't like that, add that tag. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Big I, dog in you? Yeah, 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 I hate, I, I need like a better answer for this where I can just like say it and brush it off. What do you think, five years or two years? Uh, or like- I don't know, man. You just gotta <laughs> roll with it. I don't whatever. know. I have no good answer for that. I've been doing it like a little- like I, rem I remember going through all those years of like this is how long i've been doing it and it's just yeah i mean people are either going to support you or not yeah and that's really what it comes down to and yeah. not everyone's going to support you and that sucks but yeah uh you watch where these people end up to over time and it's you know if you're working hard you just keep leapfrogging people so yeah that's yeah fine. just blinders on do your thing yeah, yeah i got some i got some you know i rub shoulders with some pretty cool people in the past few weeks and i got some good advice and the the main piece of advice that kind of stuck out for me was when I was uh, talking to a, a pretty big comic and they said, uh, um, it's show business, mm -hmm. underscore double circle highlight business. Yeah. Like, cause I was, I was in, in, in Austin and Vancouver and doing all these cool shows. And I kind of saw myself that uh, some of these, a lot of these people are super talented. Some of them are and again, comedy is subjective. So it's like, who am I to say you're good or you're not? But we kind of got on the topic of how much do you think talent plays a role in success in this business that we call comedy? And they're like, dude, it's not even like, uh, in my mind, my number would be like, I'd say like 50%, right? And then the rest is whatever, like putting yourself out there, making connections, you know, like doing the right thing, working hard. This person said literally like something like 10%. I was kind of shocked. What do you think? What's your number? Yeah, probably 10%. Yeah. So you're more on the low side. Yeah. I just, I know so many, so t such talented comics uh, that I've, you know, had the pleasure of sharing the stage with and crossing paths with. And so many of them just uh they just don't have the full package mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. yeah show business you know it is what it is but it's hard too because like you get into this with the dream you yeah. know ah the dream things will fall into place i'll just right. be talented i'll get discovered i'll be the prodigy of right. this thing right <laughs> and then you know years go by and it's hard because you're gonna have to kill this i mean not kill the dream because the dream exists but like kill that original version of the dream that you thought it was yeah because you're in it now and you in order to be in it you have to take in reality mm -hmm. and yeah there's just some people that decide to not take in reality or decide to not or don't have the i don't know not everyone decides to everyone has different upbringings and all that fun stuff but mm -hmm. uh yeah it is unfortunate that a lot of people can't survive just off talent yeah and I feel like also, like, yes, you have to be realistic and take in reality, as you were saying, but also to a certain extent to make it in fucking show business, you have to be somewhat delusional. You have to really believe in yourself to the extent that like, because like every single opportunity that I've had hasn't been because like it, it's realistically, if I trace back the steps, it's mostly luck, right? And I took advantage of the opportunity. That's a big thing, right? Like luck, if you give the same kind of lucky bounce to two different people, they might treat it very differently. So that's a big part of the thing, like taking advantage of a pr opportunity when it's presented, but kind of like, uh, like I am lucky enough that like, again, like very early on, I'm able to kind of stay afloat, pay the bills, kind of doing what I'm doing. But looking back at kind of like, 
a year and a bit ago when I was deciding whether or not to get a job, I'm like, holy fuck, that was pretty ballsy not to get the job. Cause I'm like, I, how the fuck did I know that it would have worked? You, sometimes you just have to have that blind delusion, right? And it kind of falls into place. Yeah. Trust, faith. Yeah. yeah. Something. Whatever. All that gay stuff. Uh, so yeah, the safety net, as much as it's, it's nice, I feel like all the best, like, like, yeah, like, I asked you, like, do you miss your, your job, your safety net? It's pretty easy. I don't think anybody really dreams. Maybe some people do, but nobody dreams to sit behind a, a desk and, like, send off emails all day, which actually is not a small part of what we do, I feel like. I send a lot of emails myself. I don't have a manager or whatever yet. So mm -hmm. yeah, there is, with every, like, you might think it's, like, super glamorous or whatever, there's still a lot of that regular, everyday kind of shit that you have to do, right? Totally. Yeah. So how long have you been doing, like you, did you start with social media or stand up? How did your kind of like path for in general and in comedy, including yeah. social media, like how did that whole timeline unfold? I mean, social media really wasn't what it is today when I started stand up comedy. I mean, in social media years, 10 years is like a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so I've been doing stand up about 10 years now and uh it was mainly, you know, I, I acknowledged that it was important, but I couldn't figure out really how to work the, like, Instagram, get it working or get it really growing when I wasn't, uh, like, before the short form content started to mm -hmm. really roll out with TikTok and all that. And I didn't really care too much, to be honest, because all I cared about was just getting funny on stage. And, uh, and it's gratifying to get laughs every night and be out every night and do yeah. sets all the time. I was doing like, and Toronto was a different beast back then too. When I started, you, there was so many open mics and shows that you could do four open mics every night of the week in the scene. Really? Easy. And uh, some of them, most of them would be shit, but it gave you, it really developed my stage personality because yeah. I needed that when I was starting out. I was just very, I was almost doing a presentation. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but then um yeah then when the pandemic hit you know i just worked up the up the ranks over time and then i moved out to vancouver for a bit went out to asia and nice then, i didn't know that yeah the pandemic hit and then that really just you know i didn't think that was possible i was th the whole reason i loved comedy i was like no matter what negative ha. thing happens in my life <laughs> i'll be able to turn it into jokes <laughs> and yeah. then the pandemic hit and i was and like, like fuck Ooh. <laughs> got me universe that was a blind spot i did not see coming yeah um on my very small you know personal point of view i know the pandemic was earth shattering for everybody but um yeah so then i just switched gears and tried to do tiktok and i luckily have a few friends that were kind of making progress at that and that's so key just to have people that are around you that are working in the same area mm -hmm. and doing well and so yeah. nima naz chaterena like they were both working really hard at it and so i used that as inspiration to keep working hard at it and then um i had something to offer after the pandemic similar to you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that 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 is actually uh a good point i've like through do being a f influencer i've met other influencers and like these oh, you're embracing the term man eh? yeah i've never called myself an yeah influencer. or fucking whatever you like fucking yeah like uh only fans <laughs> no, no, uh, whatever you want man. yeah <laughs> content creator I, I actually don't like influencer either i, I usually i, I would love use influencers in the wild is my favorite instagram page it's so good have you, oh, heard, have you seen that one i think i have is that the, the one best. where they like 
like find people doing those tiktok dances on the fucking subway or whatever yeah or it'll be just like a family hanging out at the beach and then right next to them is some girl twerking and with as the water is just lapping up on her <laughs> and you're like what are you, are you not taking yeah. in your surroundings at yeah. all yeah yeah which to be fair i have found myself in that situation sometimes as a as a content creator i've had to do some pretty awkward you've been shit. twerking on the beach okay well not not twerking on the Ass beach just flailing in a thong yeah classic yeah. matt i actually yeah i'm a little little bit of a you know tough point in my instagram right now i really need to take it to that next step and mm. i've i've put some things together and i feel like that's what i need to do yeah yeah yeah. Uh, launch that only fans yeah i've been going to the gym my whole life i never really capitalized on the fitness thing um i tried to do a, a few videos explaining like you know the effects of steroids and stuff be a scientist but i feel like i'll just i've been doing squats so i'm just gonna show off my ass you know you ever done steroids uh no i haven't no no oh, okay no. true I've made them. You've made, you've made steroids? No, steroids. Oh. Uh, I mean, you can... Not anabolic, just like other steroids. You can make, like, I guess you can synthetically make steroids, but most steroids are just hormones, so they're kind of just, like, naturally sourced. You're just, like, extracting steroids from whatever, right? I didn't know actually, that. I actually don't know where, like, most commonly steroids are, like, say, like, testosterone. I don't know where that's sourced. Probably some kind of, like cow or i don't know fucking know it's just one dude who's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> just one really <laughs> jack dude that's yeah like, it's like liver king's brother and he's just hooked up this <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and then they clone him and every time that guy dies they just got another one off the treadmill yeah, just fucking it's the jimmy your brother's dead your turn yeah uh that's probably what they're doing with biden too honestly um <laughs> but yeah so i don't know like i don't know if the the influencer route uh yeah we were talking about fucking yeah my brain just we were talking about being an influencer in the wild so i made this like uh this kind of like song that i'm gonna release pretty soon it's like a comedy rap kind of thing mm. and i had to do like a music video for it and uh i had to do i had like my buddies who are youtubers that are also like killing it online they're doing like uh just, they have a bunch of subscribers on YouTube. They're very good editors. I have no idea, like, in terms of cinematography, as much as I know, it's all I've learned doing these stupid skits that I post on Instagram, which is cool. It's cool to, like, learn that stuff, and I'm sure you have as well. Mm -hmm. How to use equipment. I see, I've seen you done, uh, you've done my show, and then I've seen you at other shows bring your DSLR with the mic and stuff, and I always ask you questions, like, right, with the lens. I always want to learn about that kind of side of things, but... For this, I wanted to make it a little better. So they were like fucking directing me and shit. And we were in public places where I had like an AirPod in and I was just like lip syncing this stupid rap song in front of the fucking CN Tower. And I felt like a dick, but I think the video is going to look pretty cool. So stay tuned for that. Nice. I did it for you guys, for the people. All right. Mm. Watch it get like two views. Do you do you feel like that with your content? Like the, the stuff you're very excited for and put a lot of work in just flops, but the shit that you like have this stupid idea, film it 15 seconds, fucking 20 million views. <laughs> yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah. I, I One day I want to be right. I posted something today that was like my favorite stand-up clip that I've edited in a while. Yeah. And uh, I just know it's going to get like, <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to do well, but that's why it's not going to yeah, do well. <laughs> yeah, I just know it's, yeah. <laughs> that's why I almost like, I'm like, that that's my life right now i have an idea and as soon as i'm excited about it a little voice in my head goes nah just chill like don't say anything even even if like you your heart of hearts you know you're excited about it just put on a poker face and post that shit totally <laughs> sometimes it hits sometimes it doesn't so yeah so you yeah so 
you were saying that before kind of the age of social media, stand-up was uh, your main thing. And yeah, you surrounded yourself with people like Che, I, I know of, I've never met him. Nima, mm -hmm. obviously as well, I know of, never met him. Uh, Ryan Long is another Toronto guy that kills it on social media and kind of made it out to New York, which is pretty cool. So yeah, I feel like inevitably you probably just saw that like a lot of people hate on social media, right? A lot of comedians specifically that are not successful on social media hate on social media, but that's like the way to go these days. Cause like at the end of the day, you know, like what are you gonna do? Like tonight show or whatever? No, like every everything I've had that's good in my stand up career has been due to social media, which is like say what you want, but it is kind of what it is. So you just kind of realized that and started working on it? Yeah, just embracing. I mean, it's just a numbers game. Like, mm -hmm. it's insane the amount of reach. You can either embrace technology or just yeah. get left behind. And it's like the kid who rips on the test as being stupid because he didn't study because he didn't think he could. Even right. if he studied, then he would have to confront the fact that he's dumb. You know, it's, it's like that. So a lot of people will just shit on social media because it's a lot of work and it's a lot it's something mm -hmm. that they don't quite understand but i remember i i would like rift this joke during the whole amber heard and johnny depp thing and uh i clipped it up immediately there were 10 people in the audience it wasn't like a great show so i was kind of fucking around a lot yeah and then riff something and i, I liked it and it, it fit nicely so then i clipped it up and i put it on all my platforms and collectively it got seven hundred fifty thousand views mm -hmm. so it's just like a numbers thing at that point where as yeah. a comedian you're like 10 people saw me and went this is a funny guy yeah and then now three quarters of a million people yeah. saw it and then went you know, some of them probably shit on it, but yeah. you know, a bunch of people now think that I'm a funny guy. So that's just numbers game is just insane. Yeah, because as a stand-up comedian, what are you doing? What's your product? It's just putting butts in seats, right? You're selling tickets. So it's kind of like side, yeah, that's... eyeballs. Every single eyeball you get to your channel, whether it's through your stand-up clip, whether it's through man news, whether it's through a sketch you post or just eyeballs saying, oh, who's this guy? They click on your page. He does stand up. They click the link. Some of them buy it. Some of them don't. But if you're like on like the numbers you get, right? Like mi literally millions of views and like, you know, you'd be surprised how many people actually click and buy. So yeah, get eyeballs, sell tickets. And uh, fuck, who knows? Do... Have fun. Netflix. Yeah, have fun. Yeah, <laughs> most importantly is to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how successful you are. It's just as long as you have fun. I don't care who wins. Um, no, but that's that's true. And uh, so you said you you had trouble at first doing social media. Uh, uh, like you had... Yeah, I mean, weren't I as... felt like Instagram was hard to grow for a, a lot of years. Mm -hmm. There was just... It was rewarding just only kind of people that already had some type of fame from other places and then some people were able to curate and build stuff but yeah. i just couldn't figure out how to do that for myself what was your first platform to like that you popped off TikTok. on TikTok. yeah okay yeah. TikTok blew up and then youtube and then instagram or uh TikTok, and then i think it was then and then instagram started kicking up a bit and then youtube really yeah, okay. took the reins yeah this is the same thing for me i TikTok, and then Instagram and YouTube has not blown up yet, but slowly posting shorts and like yeah. numbers are going just up. It mirrors how they've all competed for short form. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, the growth on both TikTok, Instagram, and now YouTube I'm seeing is the exact same kind of 
kind of curve and time wise too because like i started on tiktok nothing 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 couple thousand couple hundred thousand couple million oh and then it like just right mm. and then instagram was the same thing um even though it's weird i feel like instagram now for me has slowed down but it's i don't know it's like who knows it's a beast like you it's hard to the algorithm people keep saying the algorithm in my i always try to avoid you know you don't like the word influencers i don't like the word algorithm i always see it like it's just people watching your content and if they like it they will engage or whatever so it's just like if the video does well the video will blow up. Like if the video is funny, if people like it, it will blow up. It's not about like hashtags and posting time or all that shit. I feel like, I don't know if you find that important at all, but. I mean, I think for some people there are better times to post than not to post just for the type of stuff that you do. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it could even see like, uh, cause some people make dirtier content and it's just like, imagine people's psyche at like 9 a.m. Most right, people right, are like, okay. I don't know if I want to, look at a like flapping maybe some people all hours of the day they want to see some ass yeah, but, yeah. you know I, yeah. I think most people in that realm it's like a lot to take in in the morning yeah. you know so people do something later where people are just more in that headspace sure. or whatever and not just like sexual stuff but like uh if people are coming out of school and like those kinds mm -hmm. of times like the posting time kind of does play into effect but the thing is if you post a lot then it doesn't really matter because you're yeah. just posting all the time but then if you're and then you're also looking at time zones right like if you have enough followers you probably have followers kind of spread out all over the world so inevitably if you know even if you cater to wherever you have the most followers you're gonna fuck over some people some people if you're, most of your followers are new are in new york and you post your ass at nine o'clock at night mm. somebody in fucking i don't know nicaragua is gonna see it at 9 a.m and you can't do anything about it so totally i don't know if that time difference <clears throat> is correct but uh you get my point um but yeah, so yeah, so you you struggled a little bit at first, and then it kind of popped off. And I feel like so, for you, lead anchor at Man News, that's the that's the kind of series that just blew up for you, right? That's like guaranteed numbers everywhere across the board, and it kind of built like your social media presence, right? Yeah, that's where most people recognize me from. Yeah, yeah, fair. And so my question to you, because I have a, a similar-ish thing where I have like a certain series, uh, like Americans in Europe or whatever in Canada that does well. And I'm trying to expand on that and like kind of creatively because it's not that I get tired of it. It's just there's only so much of, actually in your case, like kudos to you because there is like an unlimited amount of content for that because you can just like take videos of people throwing rocks and stuff and be very creative with it. Mm -hmm. So that's a great kind of little niche to have because i feel like for you it's almost at least again from the outsider's perspective it's unlimited right you can keep doing that and it stays entertaining because you know it's just the nature of your thing i mean it's the news cycle it never yeah. sleeps so yeah exactly you know so it's not even up to me it's just really if the men see something that they think that the other men need to see they send it to me and i ensure that happens yeah so you have more of like a a societal pressure on you you feel yeah. like you're it's really a selfless role it's yeah. not about me at all yeah it's just about informing the men that's damn man that's yeah. uh i never really looked at it that way i guess i was looking at it from like a, a creator's <clears throat> an mm -hmm. influencer's point of view not but... at all no it's a responsibility yeah yeah damn respect that's cool man i uh yeah i'm never gonna look at you the same that's really cool yeah well, you do make the world a better place you know 
respect. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> Some of them wear suits. Suits with no pants on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sometimes, though, sometimes you decide to wear pants. Do you mm. find your videos? Do no, never. If you see me in a suit, assume I'm not wearing pants. Because <laughs> oh, that's right. probable. All right. right. Okay. I did not get into this business to put on pants. Okay. <laughs> I did it to wear flip flops and my boxers. That's, that's exactly cool. it. That's awesome. I even, yeah. That's I, my avatar on Snap, by the way. If you add me on Snap, you'll see my avatar with suit jacket and then shorts and then flip flops. Yeah. Soon to be the avatar on OnlyFans as well or whichever site you prefer to use. Um, but, uh, so yeah, my, my thing was with my series, I kind of felt like I, I had a bunch of ideas, but I almost felt guilty to keep posting the same thing. And I was almost getting tired of it, right? Mm -hmm. So to keep it natural, I tried to mix it up. And I actually, I'm really happy that I did. And I didn't keep relying on that Americans in Canada series because I found a few gems kind of like just now starting to take off. I have this character that's like Uncle Ivan or whatever, like an Eastern European kind of parent and you kind of feel like when I'm writing, and uh, I don't know if you have this for your skits, do you ever have a scenario where you have a bit that turns into a skit or vice versa? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that's definitely happened. One yeah. of the, yeah, one of like my stand-up jokes came out as just a, like stand-up wasn't happening. So I just, it came out as a TikTok and mm. then went into the act. Yeah. So, yeah. I have the exact same thing. I have a, I have like a video that I did, but yeah. So it's, it's, uh, I guess if you have a good premise in your head, you kind of see where you want to take it, where it kind of fits better, like under like the bits category or the, the skits category. But sometimes it just kind of takes its course and it's one or the other and you don't have too much control of it. You kind of takes on its own life. Um, which is cool. Cause like you said, right? Like it's a, it's a job you have during the day that feeds into your standup, right? Yeah. And it, it it's completely. It's a thing. So. Yeah. Yeah yeah. 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 Completely. So you said you spent some time in Vancouver? Yeah. I lived there for over a year. Over a year? When? Yeah. Uh, 2018 to 2019. 18, 19. Okay. So this is just pre-pandemic. Yeah. How was the standup scene there? Great. When I was there. Okay. It was fantastic. I think it's doing really well now too. Yeah. It went through a little bit of a dark period, but uh because a bunch of clubs closed down. But yeah. then it was like, there was the comedy mix, there was the yuck yucks downtown. And then there was the comedy basement. It was this perfect little room uh, to work out. And it was always hot and you could always just find new stuff in your jokes and stuff. And the uh, comedy scene was great. It was smaller, but still a lot of talent. And because it was smaller, it felt like it was a little bit more one big scene as opposed to a bunch of little fragmented clicks, which uh, kind of Toronto was at that time um okay so it was yeah i really had a great time in vancouver okay cool <clears throat> i think uh that's interesting yeah because I, I was just there for for a couple of nights but like the city wise yeah city wise vancouver was i caught it on a really good couple of days because uh it was like this was like last week so here it was pretty cold but there were what uh it was basically end of february and it was like 10 degrees the best kind of yeah kind of oh, yeah. like some cloud cover sun peeking through i went on a bike ride around like stanley park Beautiful. the ocean wall mm. and you get that like the, the pacific like sea like smell and you're like ah, oh my so god so relaxing i don't know if i was like romanticizing it because it's like a new place no it's perfect it's Beautiful. it's cool right it's yeah, better yeah, yeah, than yeah. fucking exhaust and like slush oh so much better i would yeah. live there if I, it wasn't for stand-up yeah and my family 
Yeah, okay, fair. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you're, I'm not the only one. And I was there with my fiance. She fucking loved it too. And uh, yeah, so it's you enjoyed it better. Oh, you I enjoyed it. it more. I loved my life in Vancouver. I loved all. I still love all my friends there. I, I'm going again at the end of the month. Nice. Uh, nice. I'll be headlining at uh, Comedy After Dark. Okay. March cool. 24th or something like that. Check it out. Yeah. Okay. Comedy After Dark. Yeah, and uh, I I wish I got to check out the stand up scene there. But um, just as a place to live, I was like, I can see myself doing this. However, I hear, based on probably Instagram posts and Twitter, that uh, the rent is even fucking worse than it is in Toronto there. Like, it's it's very expensive. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's very expensive. Yeah. yeah. I felt like... Uh, there was this dude I saw the story on that he lives in Calgary and goes to UBC and it's cheaper for him to fly from Calgary to Vancouver three times a week than it would be to live anywhere in the lower mainland. Jesus Christ. That's how, how expensive it is. Also, Calgary rent is super cheap. So yeah, yeah, But then yeah, you have yeah. to live in Calgary, which I love Calgarians, but mm -hmm. good on you for living there, man. Yeah. I've never been. That was actually my first time in Vancouver as well. So mm. I, I was I born and raised here and didn't go much out, like outside. Yeah, so. it's like another country. No, I mean it's so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's. I think just like it's short. It's a shorter flight to Jamaica than it is to Vancouver. I think by <laughs> by quite a bit actually. So it's yeah, it's weird how big this country is, and and most of the people live on the border with the states which is but yeah dude like I, so i when i was flying in there i was flying uh from the south from texas right so i went texas to denver denver to vancouver mm. so i was flying right over the rockies and just that i was like holy shit i had never seen that because mm. i i snowboard and so you know the biggest place i've been to is like uh Mont Tremblant, which is like, you know, whatever, like a six hour drive from here, pretty big mountain compared to what we have in Ontario, mm -hmm. which is like what blue mountain. It's not even a mountain. It's more of like a, a bump or a hill. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I was looking at those mountains and from the plane, I was like, literally just like amazed. And I got there. To, if and, you love snowboarding, you have to go out there. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. You do runs and you're like, I need a break like three times during this during run. the run. Cause you're just, your, <laughs> your legs are on fire where uh where where do they they have whistler right how close is that or is that not that's vancouver right i mean it's like uh these three hours north of vancouver okay that's not that's very doable. or it might be two and a half maybe a little driving might be, might right? be just two actually i'm not sure it depends when you are trying to get through those bridges because sometimes okay. those bridges just shut you right down yeah, yeah. But what's uh do they have like snowboarding or skiing resorts uh there's right, so many yeah i mean that's the best right thing about, near the city the best thing about vancouver is you're 15 minutes away from like every nature you could ever ask that's for. awesome yeah they have uh i think grouse would be the i think there's a, that's a ski hill there's a grouse grind which is a famous hike that people do but um there's definitely a couple of hills that are like right yeah because i saw people minutes. downtown walking around with their skis and on their back and shit yeah. like that i, I was love like, that that juxtaposition of just when you're you're downtown vancouver and you see these giant high rises and then right between them is a snow-peaked mountain you're it's yeah. just such a beautiful scene that that was amazing because in toronto that's not the case it's city concrete jungle and then you it's drive flat <laughs> yeah you have to drive through a bunch of fucking corn flat ass cornfields for a lot of hours to get to like i don't know algonquin park or whatever that's like fucking what else but there's some nice you know like 
Canada is beautiful. And like, as much as I want to like. You're some edgy stuff you're throwing out there now. <laughs> what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Canada is beautiful, man. Yeah, that's man. a fucking. Yeah. That's a lot of people against you on that hot one. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> um, no, but like, I, I romanticized getting the fuck out of here and moving to Texas or whatever. But like, mm. I, I do want to see my own fucking country because just going to Vancouver opened to my, my eyes to how little I've seen of my own country. Like, mm -hmm. I'm Canadian. I'm proud to be Canadian. I don't love everything that's going on here right now with the government and whatnot. And I do want to fucking get out of here and move to the States because of the the, the business I'm in. Yeah, you want to go somewhere where there's a better political climate. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. I just, I just also... Uh, um, I want to go somewhere where there's generally a better climate. But, you know, winter's not 100%. bad if you make the most out of it. Mm -hmm. Um but like yeah like vancouver i was like holy shit this is like unreal and there's places you can go like uh just in quebec honestly you don't have to go that far quebec is pretty nice yeah. like like the cliff faces and everything so yeah i don't know but uh you know uh for the foreseeable future i will be trying to become an american okay yeah nice what do you think about that i mean Number one country, right? <laughs> Number one cush, baby. Number one. <laughs> Freedom. Yeah. It was so funny. I went there and I did uh, uh, open mics only. Uh, yeah, and I watched some great shows. And what I what I noticed was that... Uh, <laughs> this is in Texas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was that uh, <laughs> it's a very different... Well, I was in Austin, which is like... it's Because from what I heard from the, the people... Which, by the way, side note, people, have you, you've been, I saw on yeah, your stories. Yeah, I went for, yeah. I mean, it was just four days, but I loved it. I had a great time. What did you think about the people? Uh, I I mean, I really only taking kind of how the audiences are, but okay. uh, they just seem really gung-ho for comedy. Yeah. How, like in general, your interactions, I found the people were so nice. People say Canadians funny, are nice. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is that? I was a little bit like abrasive coming in. I was like, okay, Americans, like, you know, they might be, they were so nice. Almost to the point where every Uber I was taking, these people were like, oh, where are you from? Canada, nice. This is like this building. You, if you want to get some good tacos, go here. I was like, dude, like, just chill, stop talking. But like, maybe it's because I live in Toronto and people say Canadians are nice. And, you know, Toronto's not necessarily representative of the rest of Canada. But uh, I felt like the people were a million times nicer in Austin. I mean, when you're on a trip too, it's very easy to just have kind of rose-colored glasses. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that whole thing. But I mean, yeah. I think people are generally pretty nice in a lot of places. Yeah, the general population, as long as you don't, you know, especially if it's a sunny day and you're in a park, which is like usually what you're doing if yeah. you're on a trip. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're yeah. kind of going to the leisurely places where everyone's just kind of having a good day. Yeah, but yeah, I also find it found it funny, like how like from what the people told me is that. Texas doesn't really claim Austin because it's like a very, you know, Republican state, but like a a, a left wing, more so city, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and they have the whole um, slogan like "Keep Austin Weird" or whatever, right? So I I did find it very very comparable to like Toronto. Like there was literally like a little strip that was like I'm like, dude, this is Kensington Market. 
right and like the the culture there so that was pretty cool but uh, as soon as you step on stage people were like uh i think i said i have one joke where i say like gay or i said retard once and everybody was like oh yeah like that was pretty weird to go from toronto crowds to that yeah 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 true did you notice that yeah i definitely <laughs> noticed like you you see what words kind of fly in different comedy scenes and yeah yeah it's pretty interesting yeah, yeah. but uh yeah so you went how long did you go for just four days but that four was just days. it was just like it was my birthday and i wanted to go see the ufc and my mm, wife and i went the fight night. and cool. it was a great fight night my first time going to a live ufc event nice that was a cool experience because i've been a fan for so many years and then um yeah did some shows and uh just came back but now i'm planning uh to set up a texas tour nice so hopefully in may i'm trying to pull that together cool do yeah. that i fucking that'd be sick uh so you like the ufc that's cool i didn't know that i'm a big ufc fan myself i uh did you were you in toronto when the toronto event happened i was in toronto i wasn't at the event but i was yeah. watching it through an illegal stream on my phone yeah cool uh <laughs> me too because if you were at the event you had to shovel up a minimum of like what was the cheapest ticket like 500 dollars for like nosebleeds nosebleeds i think that'd be a good price you yeah i've had to like sign in at 10 a.m and get that price what i was planning was the day of i was gonna see if the like literally once that because like i don't think it's a secret even dana white said after like ufc uh 298 he's like the toronto card sucked he said it like all up i thought it was a great fight night because you never the Toronto always, card yeah it was a great fight night there was like people I the main event the, fights. the main event was the good the main event is good sean strickland's a great fighter and he's he's got the charisma that to back it up you know who cares i mean of course he's not saying politically correct things but he's yeah. a fighter like, yeah why would, why would we expect yeah. political yeah. correctness from a man who just goes into a, an octagon to fight somebody I'm pulling up the card right now because it escapes my memory. But I, I remember, I remember enjoying I the main event. I watched it on event. my phone, and I, w I remember because I was sitting in my car waiting to pick up my wife from this dinner that she was at, mm -hmm. and she was taking a very long time, and I didn't mind at all. Right. <laughs> so okay. So I only caught the three last fights, which would have been mike mallet versus neil magny i remember mallet was winning dominating two rounds and then lost because neil magny i don't i remember it was it a submission yeah okay yeah and then this fight i remember being absolutely oh like, that I, was trash yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was that was annoying but, uh and yeah, come on she Raquel, was just on her back and yeah. just had her legs up and everything but i think i guess the main event just saved it for me and i watched the yeah. whole lead up for i looked into i watched all the videos about duplessis yeah. to find out who this guy was and yeah you know it wasn't just like a nobody he has been no on, no he's been coming up forever so yeah. i'm like okay this is going to be a great fight and sean strickland is just great at shit talking uh -huh. so I'll, you know if he gets he's his also ass, so entertaining he gets his ass kicked you're like great if he wins you're like great yeah. let's just see what happens i think i think strickland duplessis was the first uh main event where i didn't like even remotely lean towards one side or the other because i'm like duplessis wins that's great he deserves it i can't wait to see him fight like uh like Izzy or something like that. And then mm. Strickland wins. Awesome. What a hilarious story. And there's like even, you know, so much entertainment is going to come out of it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, both of these guys can win. I'll be just as happy. 
uh, I usually wager a little bit on the, the main event, but uh, I did not on that night. But this last, the UFC 298, I was watching in the airport in Vancouver. That fucking, that was a hell of a card. Again, I only caught, uh, I was fucking flying, flying Flair Airlines. So they, I showed up like three hours early to the airport specifically because I knew I would want to watch this. So I didn't just like stick around at a bar or whatever. And they didn't let me in past fucking. So I just had to, I missed the uh, Henry Cejudo Dashvili fight. Didn't watch that. Caught the end of Ian Gary winning. That was whatever. But Paulo Costa, Rob Whitaker, that was an unreal fight. Yeah, Did you watch this that card? That was the main event of the, yeah. the, yeah. So good. Yeah. Robert Whitaker, I love that. Like, I don't, he's just like such a sweetheart. Every mm -hmm. fight he's in, I'm pulling for him. But also Paulo Costa, he hasn't fought in a while. He had like some injury trouble. Mm -hmm. His last fight, he w lost to that that European guy. What's his name? I don't fucking remember, but happy for him. I don't know what he does next because he's fought Izzy. Do you think an, an Izzy rematch with Whitaker makes sense? Because he's fought him twice and Izzy's on a bit of a skid. I mean, yeah, but we could see. I hope Izzy pulls it back together. I really like when he is winning. I think Izzy's going to get a, a he title shot. He such an shot. epic speech on his last win when he was like, let me talk to the world. And he just went on such a tangent and it was so like motivating. Oh. If you ever have somebody telling you you can't where everyone else is against you, just remember, you can have a moment like this. Yeah, and it yeah, was yeah, just yeah. so motivating. True. Right, yeah, where he's like, I hope everybody gets a chance to feel what I'm feeling right now yeah. at least once. In a yeah. And then, dude, main event, Volk. Again, I love Volk, but like... Mm -hmm lost to um mahachev and now to tapuria that's a tough tough couple of bounces for him but tapuria bro spanish 15 and 0 i saw like he fucking real madrid was posting him on their instagram of mm. him like kicking the opening uh fucking whatever what you, i'm not a soccer guy i'm sorry football guy uh but i don't think so UFC's done great in the US and in Canada, but that European market is a different animal. I don't know how much you've been to Europe, but like they go crazy there, like soccer, right? And all that shit, mm -hmm. these stadiums, right? Oh yeah, it's insane. Like Real Madrid, their stadium uh, in Madrid is something like the capacity is almost like 90,000, something like that. Yeah, I was when in, you, like I actually, I lived in Madrid for like six months. Yeah. And when there would be a Classico game like that, any yeah. game really, it would be dead. But during those games, it was, it was as if an apocalypse had taken place it was that level of quiet in the streets yeah because everybody's, everybody's either fucking at the there. game yeah or they're sorry oh good um you're good they're either at the game or they're watching it in a bar somewhere yeah that's that's <clears throat> another level and also like mm -hmm. fucking i'm sorry for anybody i offended saying soccer it's it's football i know that uh but you know my bad uh you lived in madrid for six months yeah i did my ex uh, exchange there the okay the shit I was like, you've been yeah. to Vancouver, Madrid, not bad. I've traveled. Yeah. I like traveling. It's one of my favorite parts of comedy. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, that is really cool to see places. But then again, like you're seeing, it's, I really like that, you know, you're doing shows at night because like during the day, you really get to see what, wherever you are is about. Uh, but, um, but then fucking, you need to load up on the coffees because you're usually doing shows until pretty late. Mm-hmm. Um, where else have you been for comedy? That's like cool. Have you done shows in Europe? Yeah. Um, I did shows in Germany, Warsaw, uh, or like Poland, um, 
like i've been to berlin a couple times for shows i did obviously did the uk thing with uh doing edinburgh and then when i was really new i went and did shows in Ber in uh dublin and um a few different spots yeah and then i don't know one of the coolest spots i did most recently was south africa that was a cool oh, place to do really comedy cool. culture is very you know there's a lot of history and it's just very yeah you just notice all the differences in the culture it's a lot more I south mean, africa yeah just when everything every building has barbed wire fencing with yeah electricity barbed wire yeah. it just is a different tone and then uh it was very interesting because i did like this open mic there and just to even watch what the comics are talking about uh mm. you're yeah it just gives you insight into kind of this obviously not full insight but just their choices and the topics they pick that you don't see anywhere else is just really interesting yeah absolutely we were just talking about like the crowds in toronto versus texas versus like europe whatever right <laughs> I, I i completely agree it's not like a not total insight but like seeing what comedians are saying in a given scene right yeah there was like three comics that had a uh joke about uh getting robbed at knife point yeah yeah <laughs> like okay this is that yeah this is hack here yeah yeah this is hack yeah oh <laughs> uh, you just got like, robbed at knife point hack hack yeah <laughs> ttc or like in uh yeah whatever like texas would be like calling liberals gay uh yeah that was i didn't see a lot of people do poorly in texas because the crowds were very into it but there was this one girl that went up and literally her whole act was just calling liberals gay in like multiple different ways which was you know like even there like crowds have their limits but like you definitely see what uh what that the people living in a certain area kind of like what's on their psyche right it's a kind of like a little uh window into their lives which is pretty cool on on both sides you can watch comedy what the comedians are saying also as a comedian mm -hmm. like i i talked about this uh with uh with uh sam morrill actually which was like pretty fucking cool but uh like you have say you have an hour of material in toronto right or toronto comics uh like i guess a very uh seasoned professional comic would have an hour anywhere right like call it evergreen material right mm -hmm. but like i learned very quickly because this was one of my first like actual proper trips <laughs> like i did a show when i was in amsterdam i did a show mm -hmm. and the crowd was very different i did fine whatever but uh i learned very quickly that not all your jokes are going to work everywhere you go so that hour of material right that i have for example say i have like 20 minutes in toronto that might be fucking five minutes in texas or whatever right so like the key is writing that like those evergreen jokes that everybody can just relate to mm -hmm. and sometimes that uh you know that's that was cool to see and i guess you just learn through experience yeah but, those uh, experiences change the way you write because then you start to change um i mean sometimes you just go with a you need a bit that you just love just because you're like fuck it yeah this is ridiculous yeah which you know we all have those but also you there is a thought that comes in now and goes you know what is the value of this joke you know you, you see somebody do a ttc joke and you're like mm -hmm. okay you could maybe translate that to a public transit joke and then mm -hmm. apply that in every city but then when you do the road and you do a small town like then that bit's dead you know like so it's yeah different settings and then you either have to build the context in a funny way that brings them into the world or you just go well let's talk about something more universal yeah universal relatable and 
yeah that's exactly that's exactly it like i have i do have a ttc joke and i'm like okay i'm obviously not going to do it in texas but there is a part of that joke that is uh is more general that i was able to translate to texas right like without just saying ttc because again like if you're talking about yeah like, you know the ttc those seats they sure are red you know like that's not gonna work but like if you're talking about somebody fucking you know with a a leaf shirt like crackhead with a leaf jersey but no pants that's translatable because it's like okay you're in a public setting there's somebody who has something expensive but no pants and it's like yeah whatever that that's a specific example it might or not might not be my actual bit but uh yeah that's kind of it was a very cool lesson to learn and again through experience right so that's like you can say these things but until you actually live it yourself um you don't really get it in there that's cool though i i do want to go back to europe more i was in amsterdam and i was in spain as well in uh, barcelona but nice. man i uh, what, how do you find the the crowds in europe I mean, maybe uh, I have to summarize them, you know. When I was in Germany, those crowds were sick. It was really fun. They were just, it felt like they were giving way more to everything than like jokes that weren't getting applause breaks back home were getting applause breaks. Mm -hmm. So that was confusing. Uh, but I know, obviously, you know, if it was sick, it was enjoyable, really yeah. fun to, to perform there. I haven't done enough of the rest of like, europe at least yeah even recently i mean i did shows in france but those those were i think expats that were living right, there right. so there's also a bit of a language barrier because i did i the only european place i've done is amsterdam but it was an all english show and there was a like a, a woman from texas and a dude from like canada so it was yeah but doing edinburgh was like that was the oh such a the hardest thing in comedy I've ever done is really? doing that that festival. It's just mentally was one of the hardest things to actually push through. My, I aged, I aged that. Why month. is that? You could see in my content, my eye getting more and more swollen <laughs> because of what this festival was doing to me. It was just insane. You do for anyone that doesn't know, it's the biggest fringe festival in the world and you do shows every single day for 28 days and I was producing two shows with a couple friends, but producing two shows, so we had my co-headline show and then a compilation show happening. One was at 3 p.m., the other one was at 11:30 p.m. So you have to flyer to try to get people into your shows unless you have, you know, unless you're famous, which I was not. Mm -hmm. And so you have to flyer to get people in your shows. That means I was getting up at like, uh, getting up at like 10.30 a.m. Uh, to get down to where the show was by noon to flyer for two hours, then do the show, then grab something to eat, then do other spots around town because you'll do anywhere between minimum two, but up to eight to 10 shows in a Jesus. day. And so you're just running around doing spots, eating whenever you can. And then I do my show at a, I'm flying for the show from 9.30 to 11.30, do the show at 11.30. That ends at 12.30. I get home at 1.30 p.m. or 1.30 a.m., maybe two if I, if I take a little bit longer, 2 a.m. And then I got to be up again at 10. Jesus. To do it all again. And you do that every day for, for like a month, literally a month. And every audience you deal with is not a regular audience. They're yeah. different. Yeah. They've been, most times we do comedy and everyone, maybe half that audience, it's their first show in a year or six mm. months. Some people, it's their first show ever. 
Mm. And that's the excitement that comes into it. In the fringe, it could be their fifth show they're seeing that day. Yeah, so even the audience have like laps on them. They're yeah. like seasoned. So you're already yeah. dealing with that. And then also people are from all over, which is helpful, you know, for your comedy brain to, because usually you do crowd work and you know where everyone's from and you, or you can kind of region and figure it out. But you're getting somebody from like, I don't know how many jokes you have about Lithuania, but there's yeah, someone from yeah. there. And yeah. then there's Romania. There's uh, just anything that, you know, South Africa, there's a bunch of different, it's more global audience that's all in the same room. And so you're all trying to pull them together. And if it's as if that wasn't already hard, because it was our first time at this festival, they gave us this room that was in, it was basically a closet. It, it could fit 25, 20 people in it max. But the problem was they didn't have proper uh, ventilation and they had these big halogen stage lights. So that room within five to 10 minutes would go up to like 35 degrees Celsius. Oof which is like 90, 95, I think, in, yeah, <laughs> in, I don't know that, in Fahrenheit. Yeah. But it's hot. It's hot. People yeah, are sweating. Sauna, yeah. And people that are sweating and hot are the hardest to make laugh. Yeah. So oh, everything fuck. just stacked against <laughs> you and uh, doing it every night. And you literally, because it's, and everyone's experiencing this too. You look around in the first week of the fringe and every comic, no matter where they're from, is looking at each other and it's like a bomb went off. It's just, you know, it's just literally everyone's looking. It's just like the debris is going and you're like, yeah, yeah. That's what the look is in everyone's face. And man, but then after like the first two weeks, we were getting through it. Then you're starting to learn the, the, the different cultures, how to pull them all together. And uh, the UK style of humor is different, like mm -hmm. the taste. They really like structure. So you, your bits start to really develop uh, because you're doing so much. You're doing a week of stage time every night. Yeah. It's insane, right? Yeah. So these bits go, you can go in the same night. You go through, through that full roller coaster of a new bit to I hate this bit to it's starting to grow again all in one night. So. That's cool. And this is called, is the Fringe Festival? Fringe, yeah, the Edinburgh Fing, Fringe Festival. Um, That's insane. Yeah, news yeah. nuts. I'll never do it again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but good experience. I mean, I, I've done it twice, so I'm like, yeah. uh, now I'm done. But yeah. uh, I mean, I, I would go back if I knew I could sell like at least like 3,000 tickets while I'm there. Yeah. Then I would go and do a run. But we'll get there eventually, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going out there to fly here again. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that made you better overall or was oh, it yeah, like it was so much? It. Yeah, okay. No, it was a worth yeah. it experience. It, it really makes you, it cauterizes you as a human, like as a, as a performer. By that mm -hmm. seventh, eighth show, you are so fluid on stage. You are just, you're just what you are. Yeah. There's just nothing. The inhibitions are just so far gone at yeah. that point. And it's, you get to a level of depth that I don't know if you can reach it in in many comedy scenes. Yeah, that that is true, and that that's something I noticed uh, in Austin. Like I, two two things happened to me there. It was it was amazing. I was literally living my dream for like a the, a month, right, and just doing spots after like three four spots a night. I was booked like minimum like doing one show a night, and then from there you'd go to because they have that whole sixth street. You'd like pop in whatever like sunset. Velveeta room whatever right mm -hmm. so i was doing compared to here which is not the case i'm lucky if i'm doing one spot a night if right mm -hmm. so i'm like okay fuck that was the first realization i have to get my ass over here because one year here in austin for me would be like fucking i don't know five six years back in toronto 
in terms mm -hmm. of development, right? But then there was another thing that I was like, uh, I there is so much talent in Toronto, I feel like. I, and I don't know, you know, I didn't really go that deep into into the Austin scene or whatever, but like it's it's a really great place to just kind of develop in the shadows because there's so many like hilarious people to learn from and just to hang out with and the stage time that you do get and the audiences that you do get i feel like you really have to earn your laughs here and really like you develop here but day to day these shows that i'm doing at least they don't fucking matter like you can do whatever, just be yourself, get better. Right. And it's not, it's not like there's like somebody in the back of the room, you know, watching you that'll give, no, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Who cares? So 100%. it's just such a good like training ground. And I feel like where I am, like kind of, yeah, I got those two things. It was cool to see what's possible. And I was, I got back and I'm like, okay, just fucking develop in the shadows. And that sounds like a, to me, like sounds like something I would love to do this, the fringe festival. Mm -hmm. I'll, list, I'll note that down after this. Cause like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to rack up as much experience as I can right now. Cause like, I feel I major imposter syndrome everywhere I go. I feel like I'm getting all these cool opportunities and you know, I'm like from the outside, like everything's going okay. I feel like maybe I'm doing okay, but in my head, I'm like, man, like, what are you even doing? Like, what, where, what are you doing? Like, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at in terms of it's yeah. Like stage time. That sounds like it was great. Uh, but yeah, I guess I want to do that. I want to go through that hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I always tell people just go for the last two weeks. If, uh, if yeah. you, like, unless you're trying to really make a career in the UK, just go for the last two weeks and do as many spots as you can. Yeah. Treat it like a vacation. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, doing it the way I did it was... Uh, that's what I did the first time, and I really enjoyed it. Actually, I went for the full run, but um, but I, was just, I wasn't producing shows. I was just doing spots, mm -hmm. and that was great. But, um, yeah, I highly recommend people just go for the last two weeks when people, people start dry, dropping like flies. Because some people are partying each night and mm. just can't maintain the stamina. Yeah, no. So imagine it's... you party till 6 a.m. and then you got to go flyer at 1030. This is not happening, yeah. you know. And then your your body takes a hit and then people drop like flies and then you swoop in on those spots. That's why the last two weeks is good. Yeah. But, yeah, man, it's worthwhile. It's just it was hard yeah. that that sound that honestly yeah it sounds like a fucking hell week you know like that navy seal hell week like you go through it but you come out a fucking come out a new version of yourself a better yeah. version there's good camaraderie too amongst the comics especially once you go through the full run together You're yeah just, is that that is that where you met ari by any chance because he's a no, european guy i met him in uh in vancouver he was living in oh, vancouver when i right, lived out I there and we become friends uh there and then um and then yeah we hung out a lot during the fringe mm. uh both or would it have been both times yeah both times i went yeah okay cool and you said uh you said before in toronto there was like more mics you can do or whatever like pre-pandemic i guess and i hear so many comics that were that were around pre-pandemic talking about this uh like that the scene was just different it was like and Very i hear different. some people say it's better now but i mostly hear people saying the opposite so well, because I, I, we always value stage time over everything. And yes, there's just way yeah. less stage time now because there aren't a bunch of comics running open mics at dive bars. It could be because a lot of the dive bars died during the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. could be part of it. 
Would you um, say crowds are also less eager to come out? Like it's harder to get a crowd? At a maybe. I mean, everyone's getting hit with the bill of the pandemic right now. So, yeah. you know, people are trying to save money and inflation is really hitting people. So that's part of it, I guess. But there weren't a lot of those open mics didn't have people at them, like actual audience members. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. but you're still, when you're a new comic, you're working on different things. Like those gears that you hit when there are just comics in the room are what comes in that same muscle becomes super useful when you're on the road and circumstances are so far outside of the ideal circumstances. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You hit that professional energy, yes. you force it, you create that professional performance and you get it done. Yeah. And th those open mics helped with developing that muscle. Yeah. Yeah. And I do feel that sometimes like when I am at a shitty open mic and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm like, okay, I have these bits. I have to get out, just do it. And yeah, get out. Right. And I'm sometimes like, man, is this helping me? Cause like sometimes you really like what I'm scared of is having a good bit and getting discouraged because I did it at an open mic in, in front of, you know, three comics. Right. And being like, fuck, maybe that wasn't that good, but realistically it's not a gauge. So yeah, it's a whole game you play with like, you know, having access to great audiences all the time. That's great because you can actually test out material on them. But then again, if you're doing that all the time in front of packed audiences, you'd want to put on a good show. And then if you get to a certain level, which is, you know, a great problem to have, but if you have like a, a huge following and they'll laugh at anything you say, how do you craft a joke then? So everybody has their own problems at every level, but yeah, it's a fucking, uh, it's a business. It's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a yeah each each one offers you a different i mean it's a, it's just a workout right like you're literally different working on different muscles in different places so you gain from you know not your crowd you mm. gain from your crowd yeah you gain from uh just the hard shows you gain from all of it the great shows you yeah. know so it all all helps even though it's oh man comedy <laughs> comedy all right that's a it's a, a good little cap there thanks for talking andrew it was fun thanks for having me matt plug whatever you want to plug and uh i mean you guys know this guy look at this man news right man there. man news andrew packer fall for more man news fall even, for more even man if news. you're a wool man we we're happy to have you we the have woo, the women are some of them are welcome. and uh check out my comedy special on youtube on guard yeah check out the comedy special Boom. thanks for listening See you next time.